Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Back on November the 9th, I posted a blog called The Acts Transition Part 6. So I'm going to go ahead and give an audio version of that today. So in Acts chapter number 2, verse number 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, the day of Pentecost, according to Leviticus chapter number 23, verse number 15, and you shall count unto you from tomorrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So it was the fiftieth day after Passover. And when it says was fully come, it means after, just like Leviticus 23 says, seven Sabbaths, seven Sabbaths had passed, not counting the Sabbath immediately following Passover, but only those after the Feast of First Fruits, which was always on a Sunday. Okay? So, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Notice that they were all in one accord and in one place. Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 13 says, And when you therefore come in, they went up into an upper room where abode Peter, James, and the rest of the uh, disciples. Um, now, Acts one thirteen says they were certainly in that upper room when they chose Matthias. However, here in Acts chapter number 2, it doesn't say that. It actually uh, says in verse number two that they were in a house, not an upper the upper room. In verse number two it says, And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the house. Not the upper room. They were in a house. Um, now, that begs the question, how many of them were in this house? Um, well, I mean... According to Acts 1, verse number 15, it says, And these are not drunken as you suppose. Well, chapter 1, verse number 15, it says, And in those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together being 120. So was all 120 of those disciples in this house? Well, if they were, it was a big house. <laughs> because... Um, I mean, how many houses can fit 120 people? Um, and then if you look at the verse, it says that they were actually sitting. So, you know, you could certainly fit a lot more people in a room when they're all standing. But when they sit down. So the question is, were all 120 disciples in this house? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think it was just the twelve. Uh, even though the traditional view says it was 120. Uh, I believe it was the 12 um, because, like I said, number one, what house would be big enough for 120 people to be in, let alone seated? Uh, also, if there were 120 of them, by some miracle, they were all Galileans because in verse number 7, 
of, of Acts 2, it says, and when, um, of, I guess it's chapter number one. Man, I am in totally, I'm back in there. Um, chapter two, verse number seven, and they were all amazed and marveled and said, behold, are not all of these who speak Galileans? Now we know not all 120 of those disciples were Galileans, but we do know that the apostles were. So, um, and then also down in verse number 14 of chapter number two, it says, but Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice. So I don't think there was 120 people in this house. I think it was the, the 12 and only the 12. And then notice in verse number two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like as of fire and it set upon each of them. Now, these two verses give um, the physical description of what happened. The next verse will give the spiritual description of what happened. Um, Dr. Randy White, who I listen to quite a bit, uh, makes the, the mention that the word cloven here means split or divided. So these split or divided is what they saw, but it's interesting that from the English language, the Old English, the word cleave meant to separate, but by the time we come to Middle English, it means to the it means the exact opposite. For example, in Genesis two twenty four, speaking of the man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave. Obviously, that doesn't mean to split from his wife. It means to cleave. It means to to adhere or to cling to his wife. So it's interesting the word, how the English language does indeed change. And then in verse number four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, while we know that this event, it was prophesied, of course, and it was unbelievable, we're not totally under, I mean, we don't totally understand what happened here, at least not from this passage alone, because we were not there, and this event only happened one time, in spite of what many of our brothers might say. <laughs> um, and the tongues in this text is clearly dialectos, which means understandable languages to those who were present. It wasn't some form of gibberish as many would uh, say today. So this was a one-time event. We don't know exactly what happened. We can only read the scriptures for what they tell us. You know, it's interesting that almost the entirety of Christendom, uh, and I run contrary to this, uh, will point to this verse as the birth of the church. However, that cannot be drawn from this text at all. Nowhere in there does it say this is the birthday of the church. Um, instead of it being the birth of the church, I, I submit to you that, was, that instead it was just an adding to an already existing church, which was the kingdom church, which is not the church that you and I are a part of today. Now, why do I say that? 
because this is not the first time that the Holy Spirit has been given to the apostles at all. Matter of fact, it's at least the second time. In the Gospel of John, it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So again, um, nothing in this verse implicitly says that this was the birth of the church. To do so is using eisegesis, which is reading into the text, instead of exegesis drawing from the text. I also believe that it will become more apparent as we make our way through the book of Acts that the church, the church that you and I are a part of today, was not born in these, church, these verses. You need to understand what's happening here. The kingdom was being offered legitimately for the first time no, it was not offered in the Gospels, which is what you and I have probably been taught our entire life. And the official rejection of the kingdom was the crucifixion of the Messiah. Therefore, he turned to the Gentiles and the church was born in Acts chapter number two. I submit to you that is not the case at all. That is not rightly dividing the word of God. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the message of John the Baptist, Jesus, and the apostles was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's close. It's almost here. But it could not be officially offered until after the death of the Messiah. And we'll study that as we get a little further. Hebrews clearly says that his death was required to forgive their sins that were committed under the Old Testament so that he could present the new. So <clears throat> this is not the birth of the church. Um, the kingdom was literally being offered and ultimately, yes, it was refused and God raised up the Apostle Paul to take the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. Um, now, just a bit of backtracking here on my part. If you read the gospels with the lens that Jesus was creating a new spiritual Jerusalem as a new spiritual Moses leading a new spiritual exodus into a new spiritual kingdom, yes, you will arrive at the church being born in Acts chapter number 2. But if you will just read the Gospels literally and stop spiritualizing the text, and understand, you have to spiritualize the text to arrive at the birth of the church in Acts chapter number 2. If you will just read the text literally, you will see that Jesus literally came to offer a literal kingdom that was ultimately rejected and postponed. You cannot arrive at the birth of the church in Acts chapter number 2. So before you start regurgitating what you've been taught, by what I call, it is, it's progressive dispensationalism. It's, it's, it's a form of milder replacement theology. And I find that interesting because so many of my dispensational brethren will say, I'm a dispensationalist. But then they'll turn around and spiritualize the text. Well, spiritualizing and allegorizing is covenant theology, not dispensational theology. Take the lens off 
read the text using proper exegesis. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and is working all things out for your good.